Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. <laughs> I'm an actor and comedian. I live in Hollywood. This is our 63rd show, and I still have to stumble through the intro. I think you're doing great. Thank you. Uh, I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and multicultural counselor. You are. And I was bragging about you the other day. Oh, you were? By the way, I love how we're catching a theme here. When we start this show, you just affirm me. I accept. Okay. All right. But that's that's who I am, right? That's Wouldn't you say that that's part of, like, that's... uh, part of the way I manipulate people. Yeah, no, um, that's part of your charm. That's part of your charm and love. <laughs> um, well, I, was, I was having dinner with my dear friend, Morgan Fairchild. Oh, who was, uh, love um, her. She was yes. a guest of ours. Yes, and she is a, she is a, um, a immunology expert. She studies uh-huh. infectious diseases as right. a hobby, as one does. And Epidemiology, yeah. Yes. She sends her regards and he's, she said, oh, Matthew was so good. And I said, well, you know, he has two master's degrees. From <laughs> thank you. That, that's said, true, technically. Yes, yes thank I, you. I, I don't associate that. with you know, the bottom <laughs> of the barrel. So yeah. um, I took my gym class today at Occidental. Uh-huh. And this, this has a point. Okay, so, I uh, trust this. Is, this, this, this is, has a point, so just <laughs> follow me. Stay with me. Okay. So right. one of one of um, uh, the professors, I work out with the professors. It's, it's a gym class that we all take at Occidental College and all the professors. They're very interesting people. Mm-hmm. And one of them studies animals. And it seems there's been an evolution in animals in Africa <laughs> because of all the poaching that's been going on with the ivory oh. and, and the death rate of the animals. There have been a high concentration of, of elephants, female elephants now being born without tusks. Really? Yes. Wow. That there okay. has been an adaptability gene yes. that is kind of like resetting all of the the uh, the herd of elephants there wow. because it, they said that they're hunted down because of the tusks, and now that they're they've adapted, that less females are being born with tusks. That's so fascinating. I thought that type of evolution took place over hundreds of thousands of years, not necessarily so just a few, but so okay. Interesting. But they've tracked, they've tracked down the genome yes. and, and saw the mutation. Like yes. it was, there is a mutation that has taken place in, and it's like in response to. Your workout class. Yes. In response <laughs> to our workout class, the elephants are now going to survive. But don't you think that's interesting that nature has a way of going, let me see what's going on here. All right. I'm going to adapt. I'm yeah. going to reset. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. Yes. I think that's very interesting. And and I can see where you're headed with this. You can. Yes. <laughs> because what are we talking about today, Alex? We're talking about elephants <laughs> and <laughs> we're talking about resetting. Yeah, resetting after resetting. the pandemic, resetting after a new job, resetting after a new relationship. It's kind of like what we have to do in order to go on. 
Yes, totally. Yeah. If we're lucky enough to be uh, living as long as we might be able to live, then there's going to be all, there's going to be a number of waves right. uh, in our lives and, you know, opportunities for us to kind of reset or not, well, but, it, but it can be tricky. I was actually talking about this with a friend last night about how challenging it can be to kind of know exactly when it's, when it's a time to really check in and try to reset or push through and it's easy to get stuck. How are you at change? I like to think that I'm pretty good at change, but you know, it's a part of, it's like part of human nature that we resist it, right? Because it's just kind of a part of our survival mechanism, which the most primal parts of our brain, right? Some people call it like the monkey brain, that, that part of our process really just wants us to stay alive. And so our, so our brain tells us, keep doing exactly what you're doing. Don't make any changes because at the very least we're living, we're, we're surviving. So it's fine. So there's a natural discomfort and a challenge for us to push beyond that part of our primal uh, process so that we can actually, you know, evolve and grow and elevate ourselves and uh, make some of the changes that can be more fulfilling for us. Did Did you call it a monkey brain? Monkey brain. Some people will call it a monkey brain. Yeah. Kind of just like the most primal parts of our thinking. I heard lizard brain. Lizard brain too. That's another one. Yeah. Is that the same as a monkey brain? Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just referencing that the, the primal part of our process. Yeah. Hmm. We'll show you pervert lizard and monkey. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't trust this line of questioning. Well, you know, I heard lizard brain because lizard brain seemed kind of like reptilian and kind of like, like kind of involuntary. Yeah. Monkey seems a little more well thought out, like a monkey would be a little more cunning. But, but you know what? I'll then let's monkey. call it let's call it lizard. Let's, let's call it monkey. See, lizard. see how adaptable both of us are to change. Yeah, yeah. We're adaptable and amenable <laughs> and affirming. And affirming <laughs> and affirming. Um, I'm good with change if I'm the one making the decision. Like yeah. I bought that house and I'm moving into it, or I'm moving to this city and I've made the decision. But when change so, is thrust so as upon long me, as as long as you're controlling the situation. And you're control. fine with what's yes. happening. Yes. Okay. There, what about is what's there, wrong with that? <laughs> no, things wrong with that. <laughs> Just broadening the scope a little bit more. Okay. Has there has there been okay? Let me ask you this specifically, because this is All something right. I've been thinking about for myself, just in terms of my own professional life um, okay. and some of the stuff that I do creatively, all that kind of stuff. All right. For you, mm-hmm. you've been, I mean, from the start, comedian, right? Yes. Comedian, um, actor, comedian, actress, actor. Yes, yes. Actress, uh, okay. Uh, um, for, I started out more acting, and then the comedian thing happened as a way for me to reset and adapt so oh. that I could keep working. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, tell me yeah. about that. When when was that? Um, I came to Los Angeles in with a Broadway show in 1992. I didn't work for three years. Nobody knew what to do with me. And then I did a solo show that mm-hmm. was kind of stand-up-y. And okay. funny, where I incorporated my sense of humor, and that led to me doing more stand-up, and it actually got me work. It ah. actually, uh, I, I created work for myself. I traveled all around the country. I started doing stand-up, so that was kind of like it was never my goal. Yeah, to be like, I'm gonna be. like yeah. I never, uh, I never, it was never, and it still isn't. I, it's not my favorite thing to do. How old were you when that happened? Oh. <laughs> uh, when you kind of started uh, figuring out the comedic part of it. Well, things. I did stand up in college. So I was in my 20s. And okay. then when I got the Broadway play, I was like 20, 22, 23. Oh, okay. And I was really kind of like, I'm an actor now. Yeah. And I don't need to do that anymore. And then it was like, oh, no, I got to do something to keep the lights on. 
<laughs> okay. I mean, that all sounds like it was kind of at the still relatively early on in your adult mm-hmm. life and your mm-hmm. career. Has mm-hmm. there ever been a time for you where you've questioned just kind of all of it altogether? Like Every the acting, the, com- the comedy day. Really? <laughs> has there day. been has there been a point where you were making serious considerations of of doing anything else? No. I mean, I you know, each time I have thought about that, I'm like, where the uh, fuck am I going to go? And especially now, I'm 56. What am I going to do? What am right. I? You know, I, I I have no idea where I'd go. But like recently, okay, recently I did that pilot with Alec Baldwin and Kelsey Grammer, right? And it didn't get picked up. And right. this is like the second time that's happened to me in three years. Yeah. And I haven't had that much luck with. Unlike our guest today, Beth yeah. Hall. Mm-hmm. who had a great run on Mom and Mad Men. She's wonderful, yeah. wonderful, talented artist. Um, uh, so I'm always kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So it's always been about adaptability to me, about what next? How do I figure this out? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Gloria Steinem in an interview once where she was talking about how um, like, you know, forever ago, somehow it just got set within our culture that you're supposed to figure everything out when you're really young, like, you know, kind of in your early twenties, like, you know, late teens, early twenties, you find one person to marry, you have some kids, you have a house, you find your job, and then you just do that for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. And what she was saying is that that's not, that's not how life actually is that we're Mm -hmm. constantly growing. We're constantly evolving. We could have uh, you know, several loves of our lives. We could have several kind of passions and professions mm. of our lives. And I kind of like the idea of that, but it also, for me too, it scares the shit out of me because there are some times when I'm like, I, I love therapy and I definitely yes. think I'm probably going to do this for, you know, the, the long haul. But yeah. there are some times where I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep listening to everybody's problems all the time and, and feeling like I have to guide that or even have answers. Right. And so, but I also do you ever say that in a session. Yes, to the clients, I let them yeah, know. Yeah, listen, yeah. this is great and everything, but yeah. I don't know if I want to listen to your problems. I don't know if I can do any more of this, so I'm just going to hang up life. now. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, so there are moments where I think, you know, okay, but like, what else would I do? Kind of what you were saying. And yeah. I, yeah, I don't love the idea that it's that it's fear of the unknown that would keep me doing what I'm currently doing, Mm. you know, and why not consider maybe something, even if it's a total 180 and a complete departure from something therapy or psychology, you know, what might that be? But again, I don't know. And I think it's also very easy for us in our culture to really over identify with our profession. Yes. Because we talk it, about that a lot on the show. I am what yeah, I do. I am that what I do. leads to a lot of anxiety, yes. a lot of depression. And I love that you talked about the whole Gloria Steinem thing, because that speaks to a lot of rigidity and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, how we're socialized. Yep. You know, we have so much to talk about. Yeah, you and we do. I, yeah. we can just yammer on and on, but we have a guest waiting the wings who is adaptable, who has has a reset. She has an adopted kid just like me. Wow. Uh, yeah, a kid with many similar issues as mine. And and um, she's a wonderful actress just like me. Yes. And um, <laughs> when uh, this is a, a mental health podcast, everybody. And yep. if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you, you're coming back, welcome back. Thank you so much. Our numbers are going up, man. Yay. Really People are coming and listening. Don't forget to download and subscribe. And we'll be right back with Beth Hall after these very important messages.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are so excited to talk to our guest today. She starred for four seasons as Roger Sterling's secretary, Caroline, on Mad Men, and seven seasons as Wendy on CBS's hit show, Mom. We, uh, she and I worked together on Mom. I guest starred, so I got to see her in action. She's a fabulous person, as she is a comedian and actor. Will you please welcome to the show the amazing Beth Hall. Yay! Applause, applause. Yay. Welcome! Hi, Beth. Thank you. You're in the midst of a big reset because you just wrapped this year. Yes, I'm resetting everything. <laughs> how does that how does that feel? Um, it's a little scary. Yeah. When you, when you have a as an actor, you're used to not having a job. You know, you're always looking for that next job. Absolutely. But then you learn something that goes for seven years and mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, this is just this is how it is. This is great. Like what's mm-hmm. what's everyone's problem? Yeah. And um why is everybody so upset? Why? Yeah, <laughs> acting's not hard. That's, that's the easy mm-hmm. business. But then you know, everything comes to an end, and it's yes. end, and now you got to figure out the next step. So yeah, mm. somebody once told me, Matthew, that the analogy of a working actor is like this: there's a vat full of drowning rats, think like <laughs> Squid Game style, okay? and a giant hand reaches in and feeds it. And grooms it and pets it. So all the other ants are other rats peddling, uh-huh. you know, like treading water, are like, oh my God, look at that. Yeah. Look at what's happening to that person. Yeah. They feed it and they groom it and they love it and then they throw it right back. Yeah. yeah. And then so all, everybody's just kind of scrambling, like, if I just hang on, I can yeah. get that thing. And, and and what that feels like is like, because I did a series for four seasons and then I went immediately into Ugly Betty and then nothing for a really long time. And it really does feel like, you know, holy mackerel. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. You're, I mean, when I'm on the show, it's like, oh, you know, you're not a star, but, you know, you're working, you're working. Actor and people are, you know, nice to you. <laughs> and then, you know, you feel like now you're thrown back into the mix and you just have to not start all over, but it's daunting. Yeah. yeah. I've always given, I've always given so much credit to anybody kind of in the entertainment industries, performers, actors, just because of everything that you're talking about, where there's not, there's not the same type of, um, uh, reliability on kind of the work, right. Or consistency right. necessarily Absolutely. for, you know, for, for most actors. And it's just human nature for us to want to have that kind of consistency, that reliability, that, uh, kind of sense of security in the work that we're doing. So the fact that, you know, you're kind of throwing yourself into a profession where you're constantly having to kind of like, you know, uh, yeah. dance for grandma Search. in yeah. order to like, yeah, to, to get your work done. It's, you know, I that's talk a to lot. My takes a toll. friends who aren't actors and they're like, oh, I have, um, I have these interviews for a job or something. And then it's like, you know, they're nervous about it, but they do it for a little couple of weeks. Maybe they get a job and they last there for years. Yeah. And, you know, that's just it. You do an interview for a job, you may get the job. But then, you know, next week you're interviewing, you're doing it again. Yeah. So, um, 
It's a real head game. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a head game. Like I found myself because it's changed for me is like, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> but that's the only thing you can count on. I did a pilot with some big stars and some big names this year. It wasn't picked up. And the way I know my I, hairdresser had to leave our show I to remember. go do your show. Your hairdresser <laughs> was doing my hair. Did a wonderful job. Pixie, she's the best. Yeah. And they were talking about you guys that we're wrapping up, we're figuring this out, and this is going to yeah. be our next job. So, what I have to do in order to adapt and reset is I could either, Matthew and I talk about on this show, attachment to results. Mm-hmm. If you were attached to certain results and my results were, I'm going to, I'm going to do a kitchen remodel. I'm going <laughs> to buy a house in Palm Springs. I'm going to, so I had to let go of all of that. And, mm-hmm. and then I also had to think of the job. I had to perceive it as that's just another job I did. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it was a movie and it's over, or that right. was just a, a, a week's work. And now it's done so that I can move on. Yeah. How do you, you have find, to, yeah. have to change your, your frame of reference. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's it's not easy. I mean, no, because you do get excited about those kinds of things, and yeah. then you know you, it gets squashed. But um, yeah, and even on a even lower level, now I'm just trying to sit with all the self taping stuff and everything. Yes. Um, I'm just trying to enjoy the process and say, let's have fun and do this self tape, send it off, and then forget about it. Yeah, and see right. what happens. And, right. Um, but that's not easy either. Do, do you find yourself kind of, you know, when, you know, you're back in it again. Do you find yourself kind of referring, um, I mean, using any of the coping mechanisms that you used before you got mom, before you were series regular, like any kind of like thinking yeah, about I mean, things? You, I actually am totally thrown back into the same feelings I had, you know, scrambling for work. So, yeah. And um, I do have a different frame of reference because I have that experience but it's still you still have that same insecurities the same lack of confidence the same like I had one thing that I did that I had a callback and you go on this zoom callback and everyone's in the zoom callback mm-hmm. that you're calling, and it was like so unnerving I know yeah. I just like mm-hmm. it was terrible yeah. And then some people were like on my show and it's like, oh, <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, I did a day on her show. Now we're auditioning together. So it's, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Is that, ch- is that, cha- is that challenging? Like I would think like for me, it'd be like an ego thing, right. Of, of, mm-hmm. uh, of just kind of like, oh shit. Now we're kind of like, you know, back in the same place mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So how, what does that feel like? And, and how do you kind of deal with that or process that? I didn't do well, I don't think. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh, (laughs) but um, uh, I'm trying to put myself in just a different time, a different brain thought process. Yeah. I'm just going to say, just have fun with it. Don't don't think about like how other people are perceiving you. Don't think about, you know, where you were, where you are. Just have fun with it. Um, try to be showing more confidence and go for, go for it. Right. Yeah, right. totally. And that's kind of what Alec was saying before too. And it sounds like that's what, you know, you've been able to, to do in this situation, which is focusing, even though it's hard, focusing on the process of it, yeah. not, not kind of hyper-focused on the outcome and what it seems like those things mean. Right. You, but right. That's like, that's like really hard. And I think that anybody listening to this, even if you're not an actor can, 
relate to that because, you know, if you're going, say, you know, you've left one job, especially with a lot of people during the pandemic, kind of losing work and having mm-hmm. to restart and figure out next moves, it's really hard. And, and it's really hard at a baseline just to find new work in general, but then it can also, you know, uh, feel, you know, even more challenging because of how much our egos get involved and yeah. does this feel like it means about me and I'm, how I'm having to restart again and, you know, over-identifying with success or profession is what can really make it even more difficult. And and the thing is like with acting and auditioning, it's kind of like dating. It's kind of like, it, it's like being single and going, could this one be the one? Right. <laughs> could this lead to my marriage proposal? My happily ever after? Now, Beth, you grew up in a showbiz family. I did not know this about you. Your father was a comedian. So you he were was. kind of you exposed to what was, <laughs> um, because I did my homework. Oh my, my God. <laughs> um, you had, um, who was your dad and where'd you grow up? I well, I grew up in New Jersey. Mm. Uh, oh, so, Jersey. Did, so, did, so did Matt. Yay, Jersey hey, Strong. We're in Jersey. <laughs> I grew up in a town called Clark. Do you know it? In Union uh, County? Yeah, I went to Rutgers, so I know a lot of people. Oh, that from I took that a area. class in Rutgers. Okay, <laughs> very good. Yay. Um, yeah, so my father was a stand up. I never actually saw him perform. He, that was pretty much before we were born. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, so, he did like Johnny. Uh, before Johnny Carson, <laughs> that's how old I am. <laughs> he did the Gary Moore show, and that's yeah, show. with Carol Burnett. Yes, yes. Oh, that's and, wonderful. So that happened before you were born. So when you yeah. were a kid, did you see him? Was he still performing? I never saw him perform. No, he wasn't. Hmm. I don't. Okay. Believe. So what was that like having a, a showbiz family? A dad who was a performer. Did you get a glimpse? Did you get a, a yeah? I mean, my father was type of comic who was like always on mm-hmm. you know? yes. <laughs> so it was like everything was uh you know a punchline um and uh my mother was an actress and she sort of gave up her career to sort of manage my father at one point so <gasps> i did have the genes from both uh. sides and then my mother would do children's theater uh when i was a kid and um so she was directing that and pro- producing it and you know, yeah. costumes would be at our house. And so we'd have fun with that. Oh, oh, so this is like, there's such, a his- there's such a history then in your family of performance and yeah. um, and acting and, and all of that. So that's, is is that what you attribute then to your kind of path? Yeah, although I'm out of three children, I'm the only one who pursued it. But yeah, I do uh, believe that is, you know, sort of yeah, in my yeah. genes, it's what I always wanted to do. So their response when you and your young Beth and you're like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm yeah. going to do this was great. great. Yeah. Great. Oh, interesting. OK, so, you know, having an experience like that, I mean, that really kind of makes it even more. Uh, it just makes it even easier to then really identify with like the work that you're doing. Have you I mean, Alec and I were talking about this earlier at, this, at the top of the show. Have you ever gotten to a point, you know, maybe in between in between jobs or whatever, where you've ever considered maybe just leaving the business altogether? And it's doing, funny, like, as, Alex was, as Alec was answering that, I had the same answer in my head every <laughs> freaking day. Every goddamn day. <laughs> uh, one time my mother came out um, when my mother was still in New Jersey. Now she lives out here. She came out to visit me and we went to like the beach and we're walking on the beach and she's literally saying, you know, like, well, you know, what are you going to do, kid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, either like make it work. It's been a while. Make yeah. it work. And I would always say that I'm going to do the remake of Driving Miss Daisy. Uh-huh. Um, okay. 
introducing Beth Hall as Miss Daisy. <laughs> so I'm going to stick it out till the end, you know, whatever's going to happen. But Perfect. yeah, it was, there were times when, you know, all my friends from college are lawyers and, you know, making uh, a ton of money and I'm uh-huh. waitressing or mm-hmm. typesetting, things yeah. like that. And so it's, you know, I'm, you have to say, would I be happy not doing it? I mean, to be an actor and to really struggle through the the lean times, you have to say to yourself, is there anything else I'd rather do? Yeah. Would I I feel bad if I gave it up? Yeah. And the answer for me was always, yeah, I couldn't do it. My thing was always like, I'd always wonder how, you know, what would have happened if I'd stuck out just a little bit longer? Because I remember being in my thirties and going to a friend's house for a pool party and she had left the business and married a lawyer and had two kids Mm -hmm. and was living, seemed to be from the outside appearances, very happy. And I was like, oh, maybe I should marry rich. But you had, (laughs) you had a- Not just um, marry, but marry rich. Rich, yeah. But you had an alternative, um, you were an antique dealer? I did that for a while. You know, I did everything on the side. You do a lot yeah. of things. I've done so many different yes. jobs. But yeah, I got into, like, I started watching uh, some television show that, oh, like, yeah. a collectible show or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, like oh, Antiques Roadshow or something, right? Yeah, I could yeah. do that. I went around collecting stuff and then I'd go to flea markets and have a booth and opened like a, a booth in an antique mall and stuff like that. So oh. I never had my own store or anything, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I'd go to auctions and buy and sell. And- oh, I love that. I could get lost in an antique store. Like I actually just went, my mom uh, said that just retired and moved down to Delaware. And randomly there were a bunch of these cute little antique shops all about the place. And me and my mom got lost for a couple hours yeah. in one antique oh, yeah. shop. So I fun. love it. Is that ever anything that would be like actually kind of like a, a different path for you professionally? You know what I think about? I think about opening like a, a prop warehouse where I could buy all this stuff that be used in different like uh, shows and scenes of yeah. different eras. And, you know, I could buy, then I could just buy all the stuff and not worry about selling. Yeah. I could just have a prop, be a proper. Okay, so how do you make yes, be a proper be a proper a proper yeah. proper? Yeah. I think that is the that, that is the proper name. That is the name for it. But the okay, so the thing that I'm noticing that all three of us have have kind of talked about is you know well what else would I do right? And kind of the thing the thought that I had that I mentioned earlier was I kind of don't love that it would for me be like a, a fear driven decision right? Yeah, because it'd be one thing if it's like no I want to keep at therapy or therapy related things because I just have a passion and I want to, you know, kind of figure out the nuances of this and that and whatever. But if there's moments where I think like I might want to depart from this, but I don't know what else I'd want to do. I would hate for that to be the thing that, that holds me back. Um, so how do you, how do you navigate that for yourself as you, whenever you're figuring things out, whether it's still, you know, staying in the industry or even considering at times leaving it to make sure that it's not like a fear driven thing. Um, and that it is something that's more about like kind of love and passion and joy that pulls you mm, away. That's a good question. Well, yeah, that's a great question. I I think for me, um, I've, you know, dealt with change my whole life because we moved around a lot. My mm. mother remarried, then she divorced. So everything, even in my childhood, was change, change, change. So for me, not having change is mm. actually harder <laughs> than having uh, change. Mm, uh-huh. I like to keep things moving <laughs> so um as far as fear driven i i'm more afraid of you know settling yeah 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 so yeah i think you know always having the pursuit of your dreams 
is more important to me than probably even achieving them, you know, almost. Kind of to live with that excitement. I have a very good friend who was a corporate manager at American Express and she was making a lot of money. And uh, before she was married and before she had her kids, she um, quit American Express to work in the theater and to Mm. be a theater director. Mm. And there's, and she's a woman Mm -hmm. and New York city. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you know anything about the theater. There's not a lot of money in it. And (laughs) (laughs) we were at a party for a play I was doing at the public. And one of the uh, stage managers there, who's been there forever at the public forever, she's won an OB and she's just this amazing stage manager said to her, because we were talking about that. You know, I left a corporate job to work in the theater. She goes, well, listen, when you're dead, when you die, uh, your last dying moments, you're not going to think, I, I could have made more money at American right. Express. Yeah. You're going to say, yes. I, I spent my life in the pursuit of something that I absolutely love. And for me, it's always like, if when it stops being fun, yeah, because acting and playing and being on a stage or being on a set is like the most fun I've ever had doing mm-hmm. anything. Right. I always have a great time. And if it ever becomes a miserable experience, I could see myself going, yeah, well, you know, I had a nice run. Yeah. 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 No, I I totally agree with that. I think, you know, what are you going to look back on and say you did or didn't do? Yeah. I'm still kicking myself. I didn't make the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to do? What was your, what was your, I was a sprinter. I ran back in high school. Okay. So I would watch the Olympics and I would go, okay. Four years from now, I got four years to train. I can do, you know, I start training. I do this, 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 oh, and, wow. and I never did it, of course. But um, I heard there's like a senior Olympics. I'm going to go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but there's still, a, there's still a lot of diligence and determination, even just kind of in, in that thought process, which also lends itself to, you know, being an actor and having to make sure yeah. that you can continue the continue doing the work that you do. So you said you went to Rutgers. Did you study yes. acting at Rutgers? And then does that turn into the New York theater? career? Um, well, I went to Rutgers and I had to support myself. So I had a job. And then the um, theater department was at Douglas, which was like the girls school, like mm-hmm. there's a girls college, and the, which now I don't believe it is that. And now it's Mason Gross School of the Arts. But so I would take acting classes over there. And but I wasn't able to major in it because one of the classes I had to do was like set design and I, the hours, it was just a matter of putting in hours. And so mm-hmm. these, all these girls at, at Douglas who, you know, could just sit there all day long and, you know, do set things. And um, I didn't have the time. So I failed set design. Or set, <laughs> what was set design? It was like, you know, being on the set, like doing a stage managing and, and, and taking down the set. Okay. And um so I said, well, I can't, I can't do this. And I told my roommate, uh, who's still my best friend, um, I, I think I'm going to drop out and go to New York and start acting. She goes, you've got your whole life to do that. You don't have to be a theater major. You don't have to major in it to be an actor. Right, later right. On. That's a great And it was like it. an epiphany. It was like, yeah. no, I don't, do I? Yeah. And so I stayed and I was an English major and um, it all worked out. So... Wow. You sometimes have to have a, like uh, someone looking with fresh eyes from the outside to just make common sense to you. Yeah. Absolutely. And being an English major would give you all sorts of uh, tools in your toolkit yeah. <laughs> as a performer. 
to New York after after that. Yeah. So what was your big thing? What was your what kind of theater did you do in New York? I did small plays with mm-hmm. I, I joined a theater company and we did small plays off off Broadway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the story I always tell is all the sitcom stars were coming back to New York to do off Broadway and Broadway. And um, I said, I'll have to go to L.A., become a sitcom star. So I can come back to New York and do off-Broadway shows. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I always said I wanted to be a big enough television star to be one of those really terrible replacements in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd ever be a big enough star to do that. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I went out to L.A. and, you know, 20 years later, I became a sitcom. Yeah. So, yeah. Still, still waiting to go back to New York and do the theater, but... Yeah. yeah. Do you miss doing plays? I do. Actually, now I'm looking yeah. at plays because I thought, well, what can I do? Maybe I can produce a play. And so I'm looking at plays that would be good for me and, and see, you know, what I can. Yeah. I, I mean, would this, love to do theater again. Yeah. This kind of sounds like, I mean, you have like a lot of cool things that you've been able to do and a lot of different things, you know, kind of going from project to project. So like how, uh, you know, in a lot of moments of and practice of resetting. So um, what is it now then, like, as you're kind of in this place now, what is it that makes you uncertain or nervous about how to reset when you've done it so many times before? Yeah. Um, it's always uncertain and nervous because yeah, you've done it so many times, but it's always a possibility that you won't ever work again. And that's like the fear of all actors, I even know. like big, big stars. But we know? have to connect the dots here, Beth. You have a pretty great track record in terms of like figuring yeah. it out. <laughs> and you said like 20 years later. I mean, that's like I've done so many pilots. It's like whenever I get a pilot, I always feel like I'm never going to get one again. But a couple of years later, I get one, whether it comes yeah. or not. So I keep bobbing back up to the surface. Our producer says you have a great story about how you got mom. Oh, yeah. How I became a series regular. <laughs> yeah. So after Mad Men, I was um, going out, you know, auditioning for, you know, resetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so this audition for mom came up and it was just like a small co-star. And I, I was like, oh, I don't want to do it because I don't want to go backwards. Mm. And um, the casting director convinced us that, well, you know, it's in the... Um, women's group so maybe you will be recurring so you never know and so well please you know try it so I auditioned for that I got that part and it was not Wendy it was Janet so it was a different character so it was in the women's group and literally I would I would start I would go hi my name is Jen and I would get cut off and that was like (laughs) and that was the joke and I like that happened like a couple of times and it was funny but but they kept reworking it reworking it literally I'm in makeup ready to go for the live show. Uh-huh. And they said, can you come out to the set? So we go out to the set. Uh-huh. And Alice and Jenny looks at me like this. And I'm like, what's going on? We're cutting that part. <sighs> you know, we're not, it just, you know, wasn't you, wasn't you. It just didn't work out. Hmm. So uh, I was like, oh, like, that's it. I'm like, what do I, I do? Like, where do yeah. I go? Do, like, you know. I can still cash the check. <laughs> 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 but we'd like you to sit in the group <laughs> and do the live show anyway. So, um, and we'll cut to your reactions. And I'm like, why? I'm nobody. Right. So anyway, I sat in the group. They never cut to my reactions. But it was like so kind of humiliating. And everyone was mm. so apologetic. And they were like, oh, we're so sorry. It had nothing to do with you. That bit just wasn't, you know, it was, you know, us. It's the writing, yeah. you know, 
we'll have you back. As far as we know, we're still in the air. We'll have you back. And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So, sure, yeah. So sure enough, like that was episode four of season two. And epi- at on the 15th episode, they had me back as this Wendy character, which was a one off, you know. Yeah. And um, I think Chuck liked what I did and they had me keep coming back. And then by season three, I was a series regular. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So because like what that's I, how I became a series regular on half and half the first time. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was a guest starring that turned into the series regular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, Matthew. Life. I interrupted you. No, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. No, but I was, I was just going to say that the, the thing that I keep hearing about and the thing that I love hearing about too, is that, you know, even when there's moments of like humiliation or embarrassment <laughs> or fear of the unknown, like you, th- those are normal human emotions to have, but mm-hmm. they're not the things that keep you from continuing to show up. Mm-hmm. So like, what is that? Like, how do you have the ability to keep showing up even when those things can be really uncomfortable? Because I think a lot of people can relate to that, but in ways that maybe they feel really stuck, they feel right. stuck in their own fear. So like, how have you been able to keep showing up? Um, I'm too stupid to quit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Uh, When it's happening, it's it's the worst thing that's happening. Yeah. Then, you know, time passes and then you like something else comes up and, and you just forget about the bad stuff that happened and you just try to keep moving on. And yeah, something else eventually does pop up and turn things around. Isn't that amazing? Because yeah. yeah. I just gotten off a CBS show where I was co-starring with Jason Bateman and I was a series regular and they they aired six episodes and then nothing. And wow. then I was called in for this guest starring thing and I was like, all right. You know, it was just having to like, because I'm a big, I'm a hooker. I'm a whore. I'll just say yes. I'll go. That's my new motto. Say yes to everything. <laughs> just yeah. Yes. yeah. So I showed up and then one appearance turned into 10, turned into a series regular gig. But yeah. I had been stuck in my ego mm-hmm. and gone, well, you know, now I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I would have really missed out. But, Same um, with me and mom. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this, like, one, two-line co-star thing. Yeah. You know, I'm, right. like, I'm, I'm, like, trying to move up. Yeah. And, but you never know who's going to see you, what's going to happen, who you're going to meet, how that connection's going to yeah. enhance, enhance your career. So. It's very Shonda Rhimes' year of yes. Year <laughs> like, of say, yes. say yes to things. Say yes yeah. to things. But actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah, go ahead. ahead, ahead. No, no, no. It is true. Like, you know, to kind of have like an an openness, like there were uh, when I, um, you know, before I moved to L.A., I just used to visit my uh, friend a lot. And um, there was one time when I was visiting my friend and, and and this was also around a time when I had realized like I had heard this idea of like, say yes to life, say yes to life. And I had realized how much I had been saying no to things like thinking maybe I'd change my mind later. Um, but then never do. And so there, there was this one moment where uh, my friend asked me if I wanted to go to this one uh, party with him. And I said no immediately. I realized that I was doing that. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. Yes. I'm going to say yes. And I said yes. Very long story short. I wound up going there, meeting a guy who then turned in, it turned out to be a boyfriend of mine for a couple of years. Oh, was right. also was also the impetus for me to then move to L.A. <sighs> and so and so like just in that one moment, just choosing to say yes, it opened up like an entire entirely different path for me in life. Cause before I was living in New York and doing, you know, other right. things. And so it's just interesting. So I always remember that and how much, you know, helpful it can be to say yes, but it's really fucking scary to say yes. It, it, feels, sa- it feels safer to say no. And you kind of convince yourself, maybe you'll say yes later, but you don't. Yeah. Because if you say no and you, you keep continuing with what you already are, 
used to or what you know, you know, you can, like you said, you survive it. You, yeah. The survival mode goes in. You know, well, I know I can survive this. I know yes. I can live my life like this. Like with adoption, I'm sure it was scary for you. It was terrifying for us. Yeah, we both have that in common. We both have adopted kids. But to say yeah. yes to that, I mean, it's totally changed our lives. And it was totally frightening at the time because, you know, we didn't know when, what, when was, what was going to happen when. Right, and, right. Yeah. So you get like a baby. Here's your infant baby. Have fun. You know, like, okay. <laughs> you don't have nine months. All the to, best. Uh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? To I always get you know, when used they, to it. When they put the kid in our house, when we drove the kid home, I, I just felt like, I felt like I just robbed a bank. Like, like <laughs> Are they really giving me a living human being to take yeah. care of? This could go terribly wrong. Have they met me? Have yeah. They met me? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that was terrifying. And then you have um, your your kid is now eleven. You have a young well, kid. She's twelve. 12. Oh, wow. oh my gosh! And your kid oh. has ADHD, like my kid. Yes. Yeah. Which is a whole nother. Oh, boy, yes. yeah, yes. just figuring out because our, you know, just that I want to touch on that real quick because okay. our journey in that has been to figure out we're always advocating for our kids' uh, educational needs. Yes. We have this thing, Matt, called an IEP, mm-hmm. an individual education um, keypad. Um, yeah, program. <laughs> prop person, proper. Um, that's comedians call that a callback. Man, yes, you circle back, it's a callback to everything. <laughs> and it's it's an ongoing thing. And I remember when I was growing up, I, I remember going to school and my parents never showing up until I graduated. Like they weren't this involved. Don't you oh, find I, that you're so involved oh my in your God, kids' it's education? Totally uh, different. And I'm actually trying to become less involved because I don't think they can become responsible for themselves until you stop doing everything for them. So right. I'm trying not to, but I had you have to at some point, yeah. especially when they're very young. So yeah. that they can learn how to learn. What's yeah. different now is that, Matthew, in the educational system, what the new model has been like figuring out how kids learn. Uh-huh. Yeah. The most effective way kids learn. And kids don't learn all the same way. No, they some don't. are auditory. Some are yes. demonstrative. Some yeah. are, you know, so it's just a bit of big hullabaloo. Yeah, yeah totally. Which is great. System, a lot of it is how how we teach kids, but neurotypical cookie cutter kids. And right. so... Uh, our experience was, and that was me. I mean, I was a good student and my yeah. whole experience with school was teachers always right and everything is perfect and, and they know best. And so I didn't, I feel like I didn't advocate for her as well as I should have before we had a diagnosis, before I knew what was happening and before um, um, I just had more education on ADHD and all. No, you got it early. 12 is it's 12. There's still a lot of time. She has all of middle school and all of high school to address this. Well, mm-hmm. I'm talking just, about first yeah. grade when I when yeah. it was first grade that I, you know, had Oh, who cares face. about I first asked, grade? But <laughs> she missed out on finger painting. I mean, Beth, come on. That's like real. reading. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pretty important year. (laughs) Nobody has time to read. I I bet you were a great student, Matthew. I bet you were just like right out of the bandbox, just perfect and beautiful. No, no, no. I I kind of, I kind of wasn't actually. I wasn't that. But I love what you're describing about how you weren't. You weren't. This is what I'm imagining. Everybody, pay attention to what Matthew Dempsey just did today. He just demonstrated good citizenship. (laughs) No, that was not me. No, I was kind of like goofing off in the background uh, you okay. know, chatting with friends whatever 
But what I was going to say is that I love that there's a change in the kind of educational system so that it can be a little bit more tailored to each individual child because the way in which that everybody's, you can't have one, you know, it's it's not a cookie cutter thing. There's not going to be one yeah. way of doing it. And also it can be really culture bound. Like it can be really mm-hmm. kind of specific Absolutely. to one thing. Mm-hmm. Like even when I went to grad school, my program didn't actually even require us to, um, to take the GREs because they thought that it was so culture bound and culture specific mm. to do standardized testing that they thought that, um, and the belief is that it's not actually a great measure of intelligence. It's a great measure of how well you can take standardized testing. Mm. So I um, think yeah, they're going to the eventually get rid of the SATs. Yeah. Oh, they are. They I are. Unless you're that. going to a STEM yeah. school. Cause we're, yeah. we're at the age now where we're looking at colleges for our kids. Okay. So it's, you know, it's, I was a terrible student. I daydreamed and I talked too much and I didn't have a cultural specific, like if I'd gone to gay school, like if they just like gave me a front row of the ice capades, I could have learned about physics and math in a way I would have paid attention. Do you know what I mean? It's just. Well, that's, that's the issue now. And so now I have her in a school that's project-based. And so they do so many things hands-on and and kids learn so well like that. Yeah, they do. They, and, and they're, and they're so resilient. Beth, we are come to the end of our program no. and it turned into say yes i love that this whole thing turned into it's, yeah. it, at first we were like what are we going to talk about yes. a reset but it's really been about your ability to say yes yes the things and, to say and, to say yes to things that are also really uncomfortable and to still be able to show up for that anyway yeah yeah Great. i'm gonna do that from <laughs> i want to have you on again because i want to hear an alice and janney story <laughs> do, you have, do you have one? Because I was so starstruck when I met her and, and I was just so I, I was crying because I was like, she's so nice. She's really terrific. Did you, was she that is. Your experience? Like, like I told you her, her face. So here I am, just this like one line co-star person on her show at that time. Mm-hmm. And her face was so like, I'm so sad for you. I'm so like heartbroken that this is happening to you. Like, she, like there's no reason for her to, you know, give a shit at all. But, yeah, right. but she cared. She, that, that's how she is. And she just makes everyone who was on the set, no matter what your part was, yeah. to feel like they're the most important person there. And she right. throughout the time I was on with her. And she's really a special, special she sets the example so that when you're the star of your next sitcom. Yes, exactly. I'm going to be just like her. And yeah. you're a total bitch. I'm going to call you. <laughs> I'm going to say, Beth, really? Wow. Boy, she changed quick. Um, we always end our, our time with our guests with a hot message. So okay. for you, where you are right now, um, if there was somebody going through a similar situation, a big reset happening, what would be your words of advice? Any big change. Any big change. I would say what's the worst that could happen and what's the best that could happen. And figure out if you if the worst that has happened is something you can deal with and the best has happened is something that it would be so fantastic, then go for it. Mm. I love that. Good game. I love that, Beth. you, you, You fucked me up because now I'm kind of thinking about that. (laughs) <laughs> all right where can people find you on your socials at the real beth hall on instagram and beth hall on twitter beth hall yes. fan page i think on and facebook. you can find beth hall on Mad Men, which is currently on netflix i think i think it's still on netflix and then mom which is like on the cbs app it's still it's still and hulu. playing it's on and hulu, hulu and syndication so yeah weeping wendy from mom she's hilarious such a great show thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much beth thank, thank you, you for beth. having me We'll talk I to you soon. Cry. I thought for sure I'd be crying, but oh, <laughs> you can still cry. 
Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. That was great, Matthew. Yeah, that was great. Just saying yes. Yes. I love your story yeah. about like going to the party and saying yes to go to that party and then like such big changes happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. what's what's your hot message? Uh, I guess my hot message would be to normalize your feelings anytime that we're doing anything different or anytime that we're putting ourselves out there and taking a risk. Even if on the surface, it seems like a relatively small thing, it makes sense that it would be really uncomfortable um, mm. and really scary. Um, but we can also do hard things. So put yourself out there and take the risk because yes. that's the juice of life. Okay. This is how I'm piggybacking on yours because you're big. Um <laughs> My husband's therapist has this thing about uh, worry is a misuse of the imagination. We're always imagining the worst. And he has this exercise where he says, and it kind of, it keys into what Beth said, what's the best thing that could happen? And he says, you tell yourself, wouldn't it be great if... Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if it's like, we're always saying, wouldn't it be terrible if, wouldn't it, you know, yes. approach decision-making, like, wouldn't it be great if that you're yes. thinking about the potential for good things to take place? Oh, I love that. I love that because we're constantly rehearsing for disaster yeah. and catastrophe. Yeah. Exactly. Right? In a way that we think we're preparing ourselves in case, you know, something bad happens, Yeah. but it could kind of turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy. So how wonderful if we could kind of like flip the script on that and start preparing for success. And maybe that'll be the self-fulfilling. Wouldn't it be great if there was enough global warming that there wouldn't be an iceberg on this cruise? Yes. yes. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if we had 5,000 listens, likes, and downloads? Wouldn't it be great if this just caught like wildfire? Um, Where can people find you on your socials? Big boy. (laughs) You can find me. You giggle every week. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram uh, and Twitter at MJ Dempsey Psych and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. Uh, You can find me at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us both at the Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We love hearing from you. Download and subscribe. Leave a review. We love love your reviews and and hearing what you think about the show. Uh, We started the show so that nobody would have to feel lonely or weird talking about mental health. You can be weird with us anytime you want. Yes. Tune in next week and we'll have more Hot Mess Fun. We'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.